spooky season is on the horizon. Yeah? Yeah. Is there a follow-up to that? Or just that's No, the song? that's just me being excited. Yeah, that's the song. When do you start thinking about Halloween? July 5th. Wrong. The answer is April. Why is it April? Because that's when I start thinking about Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why April? Like, because you still have... Because, like, after December, you have to take at least January to mourn or Christmas. be relieved that the holidays are over, depending on who you are, right? Yeah, yeah. And you take a break from all of the holiday madness. And, like, February is kind of taken up by wintertime and Valentine's Day and everything in March. You're, like, coming just out of the, the mourning period, we'll call it. And you have, like, St. Patrick's Day and all that BS. In April, yeah, there's, like, Easter and stuff, but you're, like, just close enough. You're, like, just that far out of the, like, holiday woods that it's time to start thinking about the holidays again. <laughs> so, like, holidays are just, like, spooky season. For me, it's Halloween. But, yeah. like, I, I've found myself, like, in April or May um, sitting there and then being, like, I think I'm going to listen to my Halloween playlist. Oh, really? It's too early on. for me. Really? It's still too early Just like for little me. transit. Because it's not like pure, because Halloween music's not the same like Christmas music in the sense that it's not like, you know, it's the most wonderful time. No, no. I mean, almost anything can be Halloween mm-hmm. music if you exactly. try hard enough. So, I mean, like, I'll think about like Halloween costumes. I mean, like just today. Yeah, we were just we were talking, talking about, about it. Yeah. The group Halloween costume. So, I mean, th- this is around the time that I start thinking about it. Yeah, well, we, people better start executing it because uh, we only we only have what's we're in June right now, so July, August, November. Just wait, no, I went too far. I went way too far. Way too far. Jesus Christ! We have yeah, we have four months left. A little over four months. A little over four months. <laughs> I think I broke Dan. What's up, chick sticks and everything in between? I'm Lindsay. And I'm Spita. And you're listening to Two Salty Broads, so get ready for our slashing salty surprise. <laughs> it's not really a surprise. No, but that this was a is... fake ass serial killer laugh, that by w- the way. <laughs> this is something that you've legit talked about on this podcast a couple Many times. times. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we're here talking about it now because it we just need to air it out. It's like this dirty, weird skeleton that's been sitting in the closet, and I'm tired of looking at it. <laughs> and I need everybody to know it. You are obsessed with true crime. Yes. And it's time for us to talk about it. But, like, what is obsessed, right? Like, what constitutes an obsession in true crime versus someone who just is interested in doing research into serial killers? When you found the new true crime podcast, how long did it take you to go through it? I I did not go through all of it. But, yeah, it was pretty quick. But, in my defense, I... so, uh, So, Sound Guy Dan, when we were in the beginning of talking about potentially starting a podcast he said you know who i want you to listen to uh, i want you guys to give a listen to a podcast called morbid uh, i really like the way the two hosts kind of feed off of each other mm-hmm. so i was like you know what fuck it i'm gonna give it a try turned it on and then like like 200 episodes later like here we are right okay but then i mean but they're not really obsessed, good though right well okay but like, 
I listen to it while I'm doing stained glass work. So like mm-hmm. that's a six hour hobby. And like you need to listen to something while you're in a cold, dark f- garage. Right. Okay. Much like. Much, Much like where probably a lot of those people sliced up their victims. Slice and dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So mm, just doing some math here. <laughs> <coughs> if you listened to probably, because mm, the, the episodes for this podcast are what, like? About an hour, hour and a half. Hour and a half long? Yeah, let's okay. So if you listen to 200. Jesus Christ. Relatively. <laughs> let's say, you know, there's 200 episodes. And, uh, you know. Let's say you listened to, hmm, we'll say three in uh, in one session of stained glass. Does that sound right? Four? Uh, sure. I mean, just we'll be depends. Give yeah. you four. Okay. Some benefit of the doubt. It was doubt. a long day, yeah. Okay. That's 50. So that's 50 stained glass sessions. Okay, no, I haven't actually so, made 50 pieces. No, so. no, sessions, like you going into the garage 50 times. I don't think it's been that many. I don't think it's been that many either. I think that you've been listening to the podcast okay. obsessively. Well, so, yes. Boom, science okay. and math. But, <laughs> and here, I'm, I'm not helping my case here. You're not. It's, I'm not just listening to that one. I mean, I think Morbid is a fantastic podcast. If you guys uh, are not listening to it, I highly recommend it. It please, is very yeah. good. Please don't not listen to us if you start listening to them but like please listen to them too because they're pretty great they're amazing but like there's other podcasts that i listen to like uh crime junkie and Mm -hmm. dateline and red hit the word junkie yeah that means an addiction right a little bit so you're not obsessed well right okay (laughs) okay are you this is this, this, is isn't, this is going this to be an hour of your- me trying to convince everyone that you have a problem. <laughs> I think I need my lawyer. <laughs> so, okay, let me let me retract my clause for a little bit. I I like true crime. Yeah. I think everybody that we know likes it, at least to some extent, or it's interesting to a certain extent. What is your origin story with true crime? Because you you're an OG crime person. This is, I am. You're not on the fad train. You didn't catch no. on with like all the recent trends. You've liked it for a long time. I have. So kind of morbid. Um, jump started my whole podcast true crime mm-hmm. journey. But um, I, this can be traced back to like '94, um, maybe even earlier. So. So you're like five. So yeah, I'm like five years old. Um, we would go to, and I don't know if this is the first instance of me actually actively watching this show, but I, I very distinctly remember um, going to a family friend's house, and they didn't have any kids my sister and I's age, so we were kind of left on our own, and while the adults were in another room, my sister and I would be on this couch in this living room watching TV. And um, for some of our younger um listeners so back then like the the channels were like it would just go like one through whatever right and like then there'd be five, like five seven nine eleven thirteen basically and then yeah. there's like one channel that had all everything that was on mm-hmm. like and it showed you what was on at that time so you could kind of like see what what your options were um and they didn't really have like hbo or anything so we didn't get to wa- watch and at that time, it was late. So, like, cartoons, there weren't really great cartoons on. So, we'd put on, like, America's Most Wanted, Dateline, that kind of stuff. Right, the natural next step after cartoons. Exactly. And 
you know, it didn't have kissing on it. So it was okay <laughs> for me to watch because I wasn't allowed to watch anything that was a little sexy. Right, um, okay. but, but murder and killing was a-okay. So I'd sit here and I'd, I'd watch these shows about, you know, the, these serial killers and maniacs. And it was interesting. It kind of gave me that same high that as if I was watching, you know, a horror film. For example, mm-hmm. because I think as we discussed early, like in an earlier podcast, I started watching horror films when I was pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. I think like it, Exorcist, Candyman, Scream, Silence of the Lambs, Freddy Krueger, uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street. All of those I was exposed to in in a higher quality quantity. Sorry, at a very young age, and I think it's because for the most part, like. So, for example, Silence of the Lambs doesn't really have any sexy scenes. So, it was under that guise of, like, I can watch it, right? Mm -hmm. The Exorcist, yeah, she says some pretty expletive things, but... But there's no kissing, so you can watch it. So, I can watch (laughs) it. Uh, And and so, you know, just just watching all of that... uh, Color me, like, crazy... But like I, you know, it piqued my interest. I thought this is, this is kind of crazy. This is kind of nuts. You know, <laughs> show me more. <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, that is. Um, I mean, didn't other kids do that? No. <clears throat> I remember watching things like To Catch a Predator or like horror movies. Mm-hmm. And you do when you watch stuff where there's like a dangerous situation, you do get those like. Uh, adrenaline yeah. endorphin things going on and because you're in a safe environment mm-hmm. you get that rush and thrill but like you still feel safe and I think that's why a lot of people like these things yeah and I don't know if that's what was going on for you at that young age possibly yeah did you find yourself more drawn to like the true stories or to like the more horror-based stories like Freddy Krueger or uh, so I think it they were like two parts of the same coin right so when a, and again, I'm, I'm going to age myself, but like growing up, whenever a new movie came out or like, it was kind of a ritual for us. Like every Friday night we'd go to Blockbuster and we'd pick out some films and there was always the horror section. And I made it like kind of one of my goals to go through at least, if not all the horror films, like a good chunk of them. Mm-hmm. And at this point I had been fairly desensitized to gore and, um, kind of that that kind of stuff. Uh, demonic films, even to this day, I'm like, I'm... Like, I'll watch it, but it's not my favorite. Like, the serial killer is still kind of that... That slasher film it is, is very much still a thing for me. And, and growing up, I also... Not only did I watch these films and um, these television shows, um, but I also read a lot of books on the subject so like not on, on serial killers I was a little young at that point but like goosebumps right like mm-hmm. I read all the goosebumps and I think we spoke about this earlier in the podcast as well but the fear street books oh yeah mm-hmm. I absorbed them I think I read every single fear street book that the library next to my house had I was obsessed um but like also in the 90s you know, there was still this culture of of murderers and uh, serial killers, and this notoriety that came with it. Um, I mean, recently we we've 
learn from our mistakes and we don't put these psychopaths on a pedestal like we used to. But, I mean, so while the 70s and 80s were like the heyday of the American serial killer, right? So we had Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, uh, you know, Son of Sam, David Brokovics, uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, um, Dennis Rader, BTK. Like, those guys kind of operated in the 70s and 80s. Uh, The 90s still had their fair share of... um, you know, serial killers or mass murderers, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing, Timothy McVeigh, uh, the the uh, John Benet Ramsey case, that's still unsolved, although there's a lot of suspicions as to who might have done it. It has never been formally closed. Um, the murder of Phil Hartman, he was murdered by his wife, Columbia High School, um, you know, and, and on top of that, there were these murders of very beloved Musicians, Selena, Tupac, Biggie, you know, it it was in the news and it was all almost everyone was talking about. And I think during the O.J. Simpson trial, um, that's kind of when everything kind of came to a head for me. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Um, That was, I I don't know if anybody heard that, but that was fucking terrifying. Did you stop? I think I almost cracked my pants. <laughs> Did you almost crack your pants? No, we're talking about serial killers, and we hear this like, bah! yeah, the raccoons are coming to get me. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so like the O.G. Simpson trial was like one of the first big murder trials that I remember seeing on television, mm-hmm. and and I think you know hearing all of that, and then hearing the details of um, the murders. I don't know. A bitch was curious. A like, bitch was curious. A bitch was curious. And the, the internet was a very fairly early thing. And I had access to learn more. Okay. So, and you, you've got access to the World Wide Web now at your fingertips. I do. Yeah. Once you connect your phone line to your thing and you wait for the dial up and you tie up your family's phone thing. We've, you're on the web. I am on what, the web. What's the first thing you're looking for to entertain your morbid curiosity? So the the it was a it was a gradual progression of things, right? So at first I'd Google, or I guess this is before Google, so I, I'd look up um, serial killers. And you would just Google serial killers. Yeah, and and you'd have these like very. Are you are you good? <laughs> Are I'm just good? waiting with anticipation as to why you just Googled serial killers. I wanted killers. to learn more. I wanted to learn more. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so, like, there'd be these, like, really poorly in today's world uh, designed web pages with, like, little links to, like, learn about Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson, the Manson murders, um, Jack the Ripper. And so, like, you know, going through all these, looking at, like, Jesus Christ, like, no one... The Jack Jack the Ripper has never been caught. Like, holy shit. Do, do these things go back even further? Yes, they do. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, are there any female serial killers? And there are, but one of the ones that... you want to be represented, right? I do. I, I wanted to see representation. <laughs> okay. Um, so there was a, um, a serial killer named uh, Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like this Hungarian noblewoman who, alongside four of her servants, um, was accused of the torture and murder of hundreds of girls and women in the 16th century. No, and wait a like, minute. Why was she murdering women? So <clears throat> uh, rumor has it 
that she was obsessed with looking younger and more beautiful. And she thought that by bathing in their blood, that would make her skin more vibrant and youthful. Did it? Should, should if I know. Mm-hmm. Should if I know. Yeah. But in the end, she was caught. Um, as she was, her punishment was to be confined in her home. So... Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then um, even before her, there was, like, Vlad the Impaler. So the, I guess, the catalyst for the idea of Vlad Dracula, right? He was this Mm -hmm. long-believed, sorry, uh, beloved uh, Romanian hero, but he was also known for his cruelty with his enemies. Um, He would, like, impale them, and then he would sometimes even, like, have dinner, like, around these, yeah, impaled bodies, like, around him. Did he not have not a friend that he could invite over to dinner? <laughs> no, I think, but the, okay. So he, his, like, it was like intimidation, right? Like, so a lot of Romanian historians, like, they treat him as one of the greater Romanian rulers because of his fight for independence uh, of these Romanian lands. So, ah. like, his cruelty was often represented as, like, in the nation's best interest. He was just really serious about freeing Romania, so that's why he had dinner with people with their heads on spikes. Yeah, I mean, it was... Sure. Do okay. you really want to fuck with a guy that does that? Like, no, no, no. No, no. no. Not, not heads on spikes. He oh, would impale them. He just them. impaled them. Yeah, oh, okay. so it'd be in the entire body, either through the stomach... So he skewered or through the eight, and- Yeah, or through the anus, through the mouth kind of thing. Okay. So yeah, so reading about that then caused me to, to be a little bit more curious about other things, like... Torture devices. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition. Did you just uh, Google torture devices? I did, or? yes. Mm. Yeah. In the early days of the internet, you probably got actual torture devices and not like some weird deep dark web page on BDSM, like extreme BDSM. <laughs> so if you Google it now, you actually get torture devices now. I was, you do? <laughs> so in doing research for this, because I knew that this was going to come up, um, yeah, and the websites are... Pretty impressive, I must say, because I remember one website when I was a kid about this stuff. Wow, really? And, like, the fact that there's, like, multiple and they, they go into not only the uses of or, or like, what they look at. Are you raising your hand, Dan? Oh. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's pretty fucking impressive. The thing is that all of this knowledge, though... Hasn't made me look good. Uh, There was one summer I was in England and my cousins and I went to um, the London Dungeons. And at this point, so it it, it is the London Dungeons. Like those were the dungeons, but they've kind of made it into a kind of amusement park type situation. Oh, fun. And at (laughs) one point, yeah, fucking weird. And at one point you go down and... You're in, like, the torture chamber. And they've got a couple of actual torture devices set out. And the guy's like, does anyone know what this is for? And, like, he's pointing at the different ones. And you knew what they were all for. To a T. And at at one point he went, can I ask you why you know this? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he'd ever met someone, especially a kid, because I'm, like, 14 at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, that actually knew what all these devices were used for. But, I mean, hey, I I was intrigued. The thing that really pissed me off is knowing, having all this knowledge and then watching a movie like Matilda where, like, the punishment is to go into the chokey, which is, like, mm-hmm. it's an Iron Maiden. Yep. Like It literally is an Iron Maiden. Yeah, that, that shit is designed 
to impale you, but like the spikes don't go through you. Like the whole point is for you to just bleed to death slowly or die from infection Mm -hmm. because the spikes are in you. Like they don't take them out. So what do they tell you in like first aid or something? If something is impaled, if you're impaled by something, do not take it out. Go to the hospital, have the professionals do it because if you take it out, you're going to... You're bleed out, right? Yeah, you're going to bleed out, yeah. So, yeah, it... It's not... Having all this knowledge is, uh, I guess, a blessing and a curse. I don't even know how it would be a blessing unless I was in, like, a reverse hostile type situation where I think we mentioned it in the last podcast or the time before where, like, there should be a movie about, like, the switch. A murderer comes into a person's house, they catch him, and then it's, like, my turn. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be... I could see you, man. You'd have, like... and. So you mentioned that I literally Googled torture devices thinking that some weird BDSM thing would come up. No, it's... No, the actual torture devices do come up, and holy mother of God, there is some... And I found myself, like, clicking and being like, whoa. Which one are you looking at? Well, it's just the Wikipedia page, but, like, the um, the different types of methods, some of them I didn't even realize could be torture. Like or what? Like, like what? Like tickle torture. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that being a torturous thing, but... I mean, have you ever been tickled by someone for so long and you're like, this kind of is starting to hurt now? No. Oh. I've, have you ever sat there for that, to be tickled for that long? Well, yeah, if you're being overpowered by the other person. <laughs> I don't I just don't imagine for like 30 minutes. Someone would get bored, I think, before they would be... No, no, even, even Dan's agreeing with me. I don't know. Okay, well, I just... Yeah. I didn't under I didn't know that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or like the pair of anguish. What's that? So it's it looks like a pair and it's got a crank at the um, like thin part of it, and it was used mostly for women who were either expect suspected of being witches, heretics, or adulteresses. Um, and you could the beauty of the pair of anguish is it's not necessarily used to kill, although infection and death can come from it as a result of it, but you can stick it in any kind of orifice that you want. So usually, like, if someone's a heretic, they stick it in their mouth, mm-hmm. or if someone was, um, you know, con- convicted or, tr- you know, thought to be an ad- someone who did adultery or, you know, anything like that, they could stick it in their vagina or anus, and what you do is you crank it, and as you're cranking it, the, the thick part of the pair starts to expand and move out because mm-hmm. it's this mechanical device. So, for example, if it's in your mouth, your teeth start to, sorry, Dan, your teeth start to break. Um, if it's in your vagina, like, it starts to stretch out and, and tear and... It just it causes you a lot of anguish. Ooh. Very similar, they had this like pyramid thing where they would kind of slowly bring you down on the pyramid. Um, and it was a lot of it was used on men who were accused of homosexuality, and it would just kind of slowly open your hole. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm yeah. looking at the pair of anguish now. That does yeah. not look fun. No. Um, I see that they have a breast ripper. Yes, it was. It's like a so the breast ripper is kind of shaped like a reverse claw. Yeah, and like it kind of goes in, but in order to come out, it like grabs your flesh and pulls out. Yeah, there's like the the breaking wheel. So this was more commonly used as a way to just uh, murder someone, but it's like a wheel, and they would basically break your limbs around it. Um. 
so it could be used as just a form of torture, but usually it was uh, execution as well. Or um, the the bull, uh, something about the bull. It's this like metal bull, and it's designed to have someone go in there, and then they light it on fire, and the person essentially cooks alive, but without the smoke inhalation. Because usually, if you're burning someone at the stake, they'll die because of the smoke before mm. it actually the fires kill them. Like they get burnt, but like. That's not how. That's not the cause of death. The cause of death is smoke inhalation. I did not know that. Yeah. So with the, this bull, um, they would shove people in, and you would just cook inside of it because the smoke is actually not in there. Now, fun, <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. Fun. Yeah. Fun fact. On fun. The person that designed it was its first victim. Well, that's just ironic. Well, I mean, the, the I guess the king or whoever he made it for was like. Let's test it out. And he threw him in there. So the guy didn't even do anything wrong? No, he just built it for him. He made it for him. And the guy wanted to test it out. And as you're screaming, it sounds like a bull is making noises. From well, that's inside. lovely. Yeah. That's very yeah. clever. Well, I mean, all of those are not the worst things I've heard. So, Man, you are dork. Like, you, you. Let, let me ask you okay. what period of murderous, tortured, whatever is your favorite? Are you. Favorite? Well, don't act, you, don't act like <laughs> indignant. You ha- how about this? No. Most interesting. It makes you sound less creepy. <laughs> Which period is most interesting well, to you? Is it the serial so, killers of the seventies and eighties? Is it like celebrity murders? Is it? They're all different. Like, and and not to say that it's interesting because of the pain and torture that a person. No, feels. of course that's, not. Okay, yeah, no, because that is horrible. Yeah, and it's it's actually like crazy how someone can inflict that kind of pain onto someone like Mm -hmm. you know cartels do things that are just horrific way beyond yeah yeah, our our wildest imaginations um i mean like they 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 skin people alive like i my my brain cannot even begin to fathom that but in terms of ingenuity and the historical aspects the spanish inquisition was pretty ironic in in all of the forms of torture that they used and the the church and and how they thought that they were the pious ones in it uh and they had a t- i mean the, the spanish inquisition is when most of these torture devices were actually used mm-hmm. um in terms of serial killers i mean the seven and 70s and 80s just because they, they there were so many why? I want to know why. Killers? It's so weird to me that like that period of time produced so many violent um, weirdos. So I think one part of it is, and it has to be like said because this is something that we're experiencing now is the notoriety involved, right? Mm. So like a couple of these people got caught, right. became famous. Like, can you name one of Ted Bundy's victims? No, no. But you know who Ted Bundy is, mm-hmm. you know. And and so I think there were essentially a bunch of other copycat killings like btk was inspired by these you know serial killers before Mm him um i guess uh, dennis raider is that his name yeah i think you're asking the wrong person (laughs) this is about you today's about you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thank you thank you i'm gonna try i'm gonna redeem you a little bit okay Okay, unless no, the no, 70s no. and 80s not the most interesting. I know you said Spanish Inquisition like in the 70s and 80s. The thing is, everything... There's no real, like... In, uh, intre- 
I for for a while I was very curious about the Manson murders, and for a while okay. I was very curious about Columbine, and I did enough research, and I feel satisfied to never get near that again. So I think as my curiosity, as I feel satisfied by my curiosity being met, I think I I'm kind of like okay, let's put that let's in a box and just close sure. it now. You okay. know, so. So you're not obsessive. You're just really, really curious. I am. I'm, I am really curious. And I think that's why, um, and I don't know his name because I, I, I'm making it a point now to not know the, the people who are committing these violent crimes, but the person who killed, um, I think it was about over 50 people at the music festival in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know his name and I don't want to know his name, but we, we don't know why he did it. There's, like no, there was no manifesto. There was there was n- nothing there. Like the people that he knew said there were no clues. Like he literally, he could have just been that crazy. But there's, I feel like there's always a reason, and I think like that's the kind of thing that I'm I'm looking like. A, what was the reason? Mm-hmm. Why did you do it the way you did? And like lastly, like did you get? justice like charles manson died a couple years ago fuck him like mm-hmm. i feel better now mm-hmm. okay so like what so here you, what you said you've redeemed yourself <laughs> nobody can accuse you of being creepy or weird because true crime is popular it it's is pretty ubiquitously popular and it's only gotten more popular probably for a lot of different reasons but from an evolutionary psychology standpoint it's because we're drawn to things like murder, rape, theft, because they've played a pretty big part in history, as you've just proved, mm-hmm. right? And then it's in our nature to be attuned to, like, who are these people, these, these dangers to my life, to my family's life, to society? How, how do we discover the who, what, when, where, why, how? How can a person do this? Why did they do it? How do we prevent it? Mm-hmm. And really focus on that why piece so we can find out what makes them tick to protect ourselves, to prevent people from doing that in the future. And I think that's why we're fascinated on one level. But I think it's also why the scariest serial killers, uh, mass murderers in both real life and in like media and television, Mm -hmm. film, whatever, are the scariest ones are the ones that don't seem to have Mm -hmm. a motive. Yeah. Like they just... They just want to do it. Eh. Yeah, they just do it. They're yeah. just psychopathic, and they just want to do it. Like the guy in Vegas. Yeah. They don't know why. That's infinitely scarier than somebody who is like, oh, uh, my wife, you know, cheated on me, and I don't like that, so I killed her. Because you can explain that away. You're mm-hmm. like, well, I don't agree with that, but here we know why now. Or yeah. like, you know, I was dealing with feelings of homosexuality, and I didn't like that, so that's why I took my violence out on, like, young boys and men. Obviously, you don't agree with that, but you know you know why now. Yeah. So you know what to look for and how to maybe handle that in the future, but someone who just is crazy. Yeah, doesn't get any sexual gratification from it. They yeah. don't, you know. They're killing strangers. They're just, it's not based on race, gender, no, creed, religion, just whatever. They're just, they're just doing it. That's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah, it I think the idea that someone you've never met before can come into your house in the middle of the night when you're at your most, like, susceptible, I guess, and just kill you just because you were home, you know, that's that that's terrifying. And I think that no matter how much we can prepare ourselves during the day and no matter how much we can try to lock our doors at night, you know, 
people get murdered. Like, this is something that happens. And unfortunately, you know, even though these crimes have been, um, you know, there, there, there has been some sort of justice or, you know, in cases like Jack the Ripper, like, you know, there was no justice. But, like, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I got lost in okay. Jack the Ripper. But I think you know, know what I'm saying. Like, there's, fuck it. I, I lost my train of thought. Okay, well, I'm gonna, the train has left I'm the station. I'm going to on a different train because okay. I'm curious what you think about this. So do you feel like your mass consumption of true crime, murders, whatever, do, do you feel like you're on more high alert or you're more aware of things like my doors need to be locked, my windows need to be locked, I need to make sure things are always closed, that I'm always secure? Well, yes, but I don't think that's going to help me over someone else. Honestly, no, but uh, so the reason I ask is because there have been studies done that there's a downside to consuming too much true crime. And mm-hmm. one of those things is hypervigilance. And not that vigilance is bad, but you, when you watch so much of it, we've talked about this in our fear episode too, that like when you see these extreme cases and it, it's that uh, uh, pers- uh, principle of being ready to recall something, mm-hmm. the more readily you can recall things and examples of things, the more I think the more likely you think it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So you think, oh my gosh, I can recall this serial killer, this one, this murderer, he did this, he came through the window. Like, I can name all these people that came through windows at night mm-hmm. and killed people. Uh, or I can think of all these people that killed women or killed short women with dark hair. Like, I can, if I can recall these things, I'm going to be fearful of it because I'm going to think it's happening to me or it could happen to me. So I don't know if that's happened to you. I know it's happened to my sister because she likes true crime. She loves forensic files. Mm -hmm. She loves to watch that. But she, at one point, was watching too much of it. And it got to a point where, like, at night, she couldn't, like, go down and get a drink of water without needing to have all the lights on and, like, someone assisting her because she was afraid. So I don't know if I have that crippling fear. I I have a vigilance about, you know keeping the doors locked. Don't let someone in the house that you don't know. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's always Have been an there, escape though, right? route. Not necessarily. Not, really, okay. not necessarily. Like, you know, you always know, okay, before you go to bed, make sure you lock the, the, the house. Or, you know, if you live in a real rural area, maybe you don't feel that need. But, like, you know, as, as we live in Southern California, you know, you always lock the doors, make sure all the windows are cl- closed. Uh you know, do your final inspection of the house before you go to bed. The I guess the difference for me is that I also, I guess I'm working out a, an escape route or if there's a situation where I'm not entirely comfortable, whether it's, you know, someone coming into my house to work on something while I'm home alone, I, I'm definitely more conscious of, conscious of that. And in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, like, if they did try to, you know, kill me or something, you know, what would I do to defend myself? What are the next steps that I could do? And and the the biggest one that I've um, kind of picked up and, and one of my things is just get the fuck out of the house and run down the street screaming your head off. Because if you tried, I mean, first off, you, you got you to gotta hurt them and you got to get them down. And then... If you if you're committed to killing them, you got to kill them. You can't just stand there and stare. You got you got to either book it or you got to finish the job. And when so I mean finish the like job, a really cool monologue while you're threatening to kill them. Oh, like absolutely they- no. There's no talking involved. <laughs> there's just a lot of sweating and beating. <laughs> you know, there, there's all the survival cases that I've I've heard and I've listened to. It, the person did not stop. 
Like, mm. they didn't do, you know, when you're watching a movie, you know, double tap. You know, don't even stop at double tap. Like, like keep going until either the brain explodes or, like, you can't go anymore. Because there's always a chance that, that person's going to get up. And, and if you're, if you let your guard down, it's all over. If you're not committed to doing that, like, hit them, get them on the ground, and then bust out of that door so fast and just scream bloody murder because people have been saved by doing that. So I'm going to just point out something that's really interesting about everything that you just said. Like, <laughs> you have this full-on strategy. Somebody come up, comes up to you on the street and tries to do something to you. You have this whole exit strategy. Yeah. Will it actually Sound work? Sound guy Dan. This is not trying to put... I'm not trying to do a bad thing, put you on the spot. Do you have in your mind, forefront of your mind, an exit strategy if someone were to commit a violent act on you. He sa- he shook his head no. Do you? Yes, of course. Because as but women. This, uh, yes, and but this is literally, uh, this is so exciting that you said that. <laughs> it, this, there's been studies done mm-hmm. on who prefers true crime demographics and true crime is disproportionately preferred by women. Do you know why? Because a lot of violent random crime is disproportionately on women. On women. Even though men are more likely to murder and get murdered, violent crime is more likely to occur on women. Mm-hmm. Assault, battery, rape, mm-hmm. uh, theft with, you know, assault with a deadly weapon, theft, all these things, mm-hmm. like, more likely to happen to women because we're smaller, we're meeker, we're typically, like, just less violent. Yeah. <laughs> we're just a little bit more chill. And so, as a result of that, you grow up, you observe that, your parents tell you, you need to be prepared, you need to have a strategy, you need to this, you need to that. So... When you're watching true crime, maybe there's a little bit of a, whew, glad that's not me. Even yeah. though that's fucked up, there's probably a little bit of that there. But there's also a little bit of like, oh, that could be me. How do I prevent this? Yeah. What would right? I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. And then you see bad guys get caught and then you feel a little bit like, whew, justice for womankind. Or like, yeah. if it does happen, there's, there is justice that could happen or whatever. Um, and so it just helps, it's like twofold. It helps you understand killer's motives and like what, mm-hmm. like, and how to prevent being that future female victim that is so prominently featured in, yeah, on in all the different documentaries and in film and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know a single woman that walks into a dark, uh, like garage parking garage or something and doesn't do at least one thing to yeah, at puts least like the keys pretend. in her knuckles or keys in or puts her hand in her purse and grabs her pepper spray mm-hmm. just in case i mean there could be literally no one around mm-hmm. and you're still just like or i was told like if you don't have anything walk like quick head up like you look like you're yeah. pissed off yeah and then if you see anybody make like direct eye contact with them like i see you don't like walk with your head yeah. down look at them there was a, a documentary um or maybe it was like a Dateline thing, but they interviewed a guy who was convicted of, you know, raping and mm-hmm. killing women. And they took him around in a car and they're like, okay, you know, t- take us through this. Like, what, what's your process? Why, who do you pick and how and why? And he's like, well, I wouldn't pick her because, you know, she looks too confident. And then he, you know, pointed to someone else. Like, I'd go for her because look at, she's got, she's, her head's down. She's not paying attention. She's looking at her phone. Mm-hmm. She's not very big in stature. She's, you know, skinny little small thing. I could mm-hmm. probably overpower her and. So he talked about like the psychology of how he does that. And I'm sure I don't I don't know the the statistics on it, but I'm sure there were probably a lot of women that watched that episode, right? Like mm-hmm. and were probably like taking freaking notes. Yeah. I mean and then you should. If you're walking alone, I don't care if it's at night, during the day, like, you know, put your phone in your pocket. Like if you're listening to music, listen like, to it on one ear. Be talking to a friend. Like you can be like, 
even if you're faking it. I don't know yeah. if you've ever done that, but you have your phone to your ear and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to meet you at that, meet you here and I'll be there in 20 minutes. I'll, sh- I'll send you my location right now just so you know that I'm like actually not lying to you this time. Ha ha. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, I, it's just so they think, oh, yeah. someone's expecting her. Or she's on the phone with someone mm-hmm. or, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's good practice. A, you're not that asshole that stops on the sidewalk to answer a text and like, just gets in everyone's way but b like yeah people don't see you as a victim and i think you know not saying that anyone who is a victim of violent crime deserved it no That's of course the, not. the complete opposite how do you but per- it's just increase your chances of not being that person exactly it, it's just a slight increase because even with my hypervigilance your hypervigilance the chance is always still there you know if someone wants to get in they're, they're probably going to find a way to get in of course and who who knows that in that type of situation, we won't freeze, you know? True. You, you practice, you know what you're, you know, you know what you're going to do, but sometimes you could freeze. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, so maybe your true, true crime obsession or interest, we'll call it now, you've earned maybe to have it not be called an obsession, is fueled just by curiosity and, and fuels that like hypervigilance that you kind of had maybe before the, the true crime. Well, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot of time before yeah, the true crime. True, yeah, you started watching this shit at like the ripe age of five. Yeah, everybody else was watching like SpongeBob SquarePants, and <laughs> you're out here watching Dateline like it's normal. I mean, you got to watch what you're allowed to watch, right? And if you only have one TV in the house and your family doesn't want to watch cartoons again, true. I mean, like my family's lines were—I mean, they were different. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. Oh. But I could watch lots of, other, I mean, like my, but it's like my mom let me, but my grandma didn't let me. So it's like, who was mm. I with? But like, so I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons, but I could watch like, you know, wrestling. So I, could, yeah. I couldn't watch cartoons like doing whatever, but I could watch. So you could pull a punch, right? Yeah, I could watch people beating on each other, but I couldn't watch little yellow people yelling at each other. You know what I, it's just like yeah. the line was weird. And so. the thing is, as a kid, you don't understand all of that adult humor either. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're watching The Simpsons, or, like, in my case, I was allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy, but I know a lot of people mm-hmm. my age were not allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy. And does Ren and Stimpy have a lot of adult, not even undertones, it's, like, overtones. It's I would like say that's very, an adult cartoon. Yeah. But, like, I didn't understand that. No, that of little not. Bit. I no. mean, even in SpongeBob, there's definitely adult humor in SpongeBob. Yeah. But that yeah. flew over my head watching that as a exactly. kid. Exactly. I, I don't know how true crime did not flow over my head. Like, I, <laughs> I, I completely understood what was happening. But, I mean, I grew up watching mob films and war films because that's what was on TV. So... This is probably why you watched uh, Happy Tree Friends, the viral video of the little woodland animals hurting each other. It's so good. I highly <laughs> recommend. Okay, you're so you're the resident expert on all things true crime. So wow. let's say I've uh, I took a hit or two now of this this crime thing, and I'm jonesing, and I'm feeling like maybe I want to do a little more crime. You, uh, you want to? No, do no. More. Uh, let me wait. Rephrase. I want to do a little more exploration into the true crime genre (laughs) okay i was like you know my lawyer has advised me to not if i want to dive deeper into the true crime realm what would you recommend because you've obviously not you've not seen and read all but you've seen and read a lot 
So if you were going to narrow it down and recommend some things, what would you like recommend? So in terms of watching, um, you know, there's so many great documentaries nowadays. Um, I, I can't even begin to, to name them off because to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of them either. There's just, there's so much out there. So just kind of pick a streaming service and look into whatever true crime, um, they have. I remember, um, watching there was one true crime documentary that has kind of stayed with me um and you know it hurts it's it's one of those that like shit it's rough um Aww. it's called dear zachary mm-hmm. um it was filmed by the one of the good friends of a man who was um allegedly murdered by his ex-girlfriend oh and the filmmaker started the documentary as a way to um, I guess give a little bit of backstory about his friend to the friend's son, Zachary. So he has a, he had a little infant named uh, Zachary and, um, it's a really, really great documentary. I highly recommend it. Um, that was one of the first, I guess, true crime documentaries that I ever actually watched. Um, but I mean, th- you can't go wrong. There's a new documentary coming out uh, on the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. I th- she played Glenda, Kristen Chenoweth. Her, yeah, she's gonna be kind of. Um, Was she there when it happened? Is so, that why she's a host? Or according to the trailer, because I watched the trailer, um, she was supposed to be at that camp actually oh. that weekend, but she got sick or something and had to stay home. So. She, you know, it, it's kind of personal because I'm I, I'm so she sure knew the that girls and no, I don't know if she knew the girls, but mm. you have a sense of survivor's guilt when mm. like you were supposed to be there, even if you know there were other girls at that at that you know um, camp that weren't harmed, and and I'm sure all of them feel that survivor's guilt. So it's kind of her quest to get to the bottom of who who did it, mm-hmm. uh, and actually like in true crime news, they recently did use DNA evidence to definitively find out who, um, who murdered these, oh. these girls. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that in terms of podcast. As I said, morbid, highly, highly, highly recommend. We can include them in uh, our show notes as well. Uh, crime junkie is another really good one. Um, dateline is like my my good old trusty uh, go to <laughs> as your well. gateway. That's my drug uh, of choice for true so crime. So in terms of uh, TV, and they have a podcast. So I think it's just kind of the same show, just put in podcast form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for books, um, I really liked Helter Skelter. It's written by um, Kurt Gentry and Vincent um, Bug. Buglosi, Buglosi, I can't pronounce it, but he was actually a prosecutor in the Manson case. Oh. So it, cool. I think it's very well written. Um, it does go into the actual murders pretty graphically, so just as a, a trigger warning, but it goes into the, the case. Like, there's a, most of the book That's is about the case. That, to me, the legal proceedings yeah. are usually, to me, more interesting than the than the crime itself. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, I, I recommend you check it out. I'm currently reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark, One Woman's Obsessive Search for the Golden State Killer by Michelle McNamara. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm kind of a, almost halfway through it. I had to take a little breather because 
it was just it was a little much oh. <laughs> for me. Um, but she was one of the OG sleuths, um, like internet sleuths, or uh, yeah, internet sleuths about uh, trying to find out who the Golden State Killer is. And oh. they did recently um, link him via DNA, DNA evidence. So, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, she wasn't alive when they did. So she actually passed before oh, his identity man. was finally revealed. But it's it's awesome how much research she's done. Like the, the not only is the book very well written, but the research that she's done and the the likeness that she creates to the actual murder is just awesome. Like she nailed it. So yeah, th- those two I would recommend for sure. They sound good, but yeah. they also sound dark as hell. So it'd probably take me twice as long to read the book. <laughs> so Helter Skelter, once you're past the uh, very gruesome murders of the LaBiancas and Sharon Tate and her friends. Um, it gets easier to read, but um, I'll be gone in the dark. He killed quite a few people, mm-hmm. and I'm halfway through, so it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Well, okay, you've convinced me after talking about it that maybe, maybe it's not a morbid obsession. No, it, it is. It's morbid curiosity. <laughs> And a desire to understand the human condition. The like. Thank you for making me sound so. Uh, yeah. The the abnormalities or the extremes that can happen in the human condition, rather than just yeah. you being obsessed with tickle torture and no. and Iron Maidens and shit. <laughs> Although Iron Maiden, the band, is pretty cool. Yeah, they're right. They're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good. And I mean, like, you've got to be pretty badass if you name yourself like, after, after a, the Iron Maiden. Yeah, you, we could call mean, ourselves Breast Ripper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, Keel Hold or something. That would be kind of cool. Hold. Yeah, Keel Hold. That's where like they tied people to the bottom of the boat. Like they put a rope underneath the ship, and they like oh sailed, and the guys underneath the boat. Oh, I He's never heard of that one, but that, that fucking sucks. Yeah, that probably like wouldn't be a great way to go. No, no. <laughs> you know, whenever I watch uh, Braveheart, that last scene, I'm like, fuck, because oh. that was like a very common execution technique. Uh, I think some of Anne Boleyn's um, lovers. Oh, were they went killed. that way? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hung, drawn, and quartered. And it's exactly how you think. They hang you until you're almost dead, and then you they take off the the noose and then they quarter you so they tie each of your limbs to different mm-hmm. horses and kind of stretch you out like a motherfucker and then at the end they uh they open you up and start pulling out your entrails and that's how you that's how you go that's how you go why have one when you can get a taste of all three you know yeah you know medieval just... people were savage they were pretty fucking metal and they had no chill. It's just a reminder that, like, though I think things could be better in present day, I think, fuck, that I'm not from, like, the Renaissance period or, like, Anne Boleyn's time. Like, Jesus, yeah. I'd... Yeah. There were so many women that were just burned at the stake. Like, fuck. They'd be like, she did math. Put her in the... What's that? What's the birdcage that goes on your head? What's that called? There's, like, a... There's a... Well, so... There's the, one where they shove you in a birdcage. The scold's birdle? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a witch's bridle. Ah, and yes, yes, yes. It's yes, like a yes. bird cage, and then there's like a little pokey thing that sits on your tongue. Oh, good, good, yum. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
I for sure would have gotten that. I run my mouth all the time, oh, as yeah, we can sure. tell. No, you would have just had a tongue ripper. Like, it just, <laughs> they would have just taken it. They would have been like, it's the. We just need to nip this in the bud yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, can we assume there's not a Mighty Morphin? No, there's definitely <laughs> not a Mighty Morphin Power Daddy. I'm not about to name anyone. Yeah, today is a pretty heavy day. <laughs> Pretty heavy. Thank it's God for gin a, and tonics, because I that got me through today. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do a more um, in depth look at either a serial killer, a uh, some dark dark thing, mm. or um, maybe even torture devices. What do you think? You you willing to do some research? <laughs> Let's see. Um, yeah. Why don't you hit us if, up if you want to hear more about? Yeah. The creepy creepies. I think we could rank like torture devices we'd most likely get committed to. (laughs) Even though we know the one I think I'd probably get. But I've got some theories on the other ones. You gotta do some research and see if there's any others that... uh, Maybe there's a BuzzFeed BuzzFeed quiz. Which torture (laughs) device would you have been iced by? (laughs) We should, we should. Well, uh, we hope you at least, you know, got a kick out of... And if you Meeting didn't, at out. least we know that Sapita's not Obsessed. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Just well, mildly disturbed. Just mildly, though. Yeah, like, mildly. like in a fun way. You're like disturbed, but it's endearing and not Thank you. off-putting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I just, You know what? I have a lot of knowledge, and some people have useless knowledge. I just have sadistic knowledge. I if mean, there's serial killer trivia night at the local pub, well, we know who our team captain is. I will try my best. I will try my best. You know what's crazy? I always get uh, Dahmer and uh, Bundy confused. That's so, so crazy. I mean, that, how do you fucking do that? Confuse Dahmer them. Was, Dahmer's victims were men, and I think Bundy's were women, so. Speed, I was being super oh, sarcastic. <laughs> I think it's fully okay that you confuse them because, like. <laughs> Ew. I mean, jeez. <laughs> Then, uh, well, we hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, we want to. My gin and tonic's empty. So yeah, we've got to end the show. Lindsay, I can't Lin- talk about serial killers anymore. Well, we want to hear from you. If you want to hear more about this and make Lindsay very uncomfortable, please email us at twosaltybroads at gmail.com. Spoiler alert nothing makes me uncomfortable except eyeball stuff. Exactly. And if you know a serial killer that did specifically no. eyeball stuff, then you can fuck right off and never mention it. <laughs> Additionally, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Salty Broads. I'm Sabita. And I'm Lindsay. Thanks for listening. And remember, stay Stay salty. salty.